worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you tonight, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord. We worship you, Lord. You are worthy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I don't know about you, I'm still rejoicing over the services we had here this weekend. The Lord was so wonderful to us, wasn't he? This is my 40th year being a pastor. 40th year. I've hosted a lot of meetings in those decades of time. But I believe, I say this without exaggeration, that these are the greatest meetings that I've ever hosted in my life. Thank the Lord. The preacher brothers, they done awesome, didn't they? The singing, the specials, the music, the deacons just cooperating, the food, and it was just wonderful. I just thought it was, I was just hoping the rapture could take place on Monday. I didn't want to go back to this everyday stuff, you know, where you just have to go through all this humdrum of life. But I was just so blessed myself by hearing the word and the fellowship with the brothers. And I just thought Brother Tim just did an outstanding job in the first service and bringing about the dedication and wasn't it awesome? And then Brother Ron, of course, and then Brother David. I've heard Esther preached since I was knee high to a grasshopper. But I ain't never heard Esther preached like it was preached on Sunday. There's only one regret I had about that. I wish I'd have preached it first. I was just so blessed. Of course, Brother David was too. He was cutting a shine, buddy. Bless his heart. He's as Pentecostal as he can be. And in case y'all are wondering what Pentecostal church he come out of, he didn't. Been in this message his whole life. That's what the message will really do for you if you get it under the right preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. We were just so, so blessed. And I just want to thank everybody again for everything that you did. Everybody. It would, have been, it would have been utter chaos to try to have such a meeting without the deacons helping and the brothers in the parking and uh, the sisters and preparing the food and then having to leave before service is over. And, you know, you may wonder why we didn't want to have a, a meal, a full meal on Sunday morning. Well, I preached a bunch of these conventions, and I hear what the pastor's wives and the hosting church has to go through getting up 3 o'clock in the morning, trying to fix a meal for everybody, having to leave halfway through Sunday morning, can't even hear the service. And I thought, you know what? That's a lot to ask for our sisters to have to give up. I know we're here to serve, and I think we did well. I heard it from one after another after another, how that people were so blessed to be here and our kindness and so on. Hey, that's what Christians do, isn't it? But I thought this year, no, we ain't going to do it on Sunday morning. We'll just let them be able to enjoy the service and be able to get in. It's a real shame 
As I said, I mean, I'm, I'm on the inner circle and hearing the preachers and all that talk about what the church, how church has to go through. And it's really sad when you have a special meeting for the local church and they miss so much because they're serving. Now, some of you may have wondered why. Why did we need another church? I hope this weekend was a great big answer to you. We have been robbed. We have been robbed for years of being able to have a meeting like we had. Because we couldn't put nobody anywhere else other than our crowd that we had. No parking, no chairs, no nothing else. So any of you that were still griping about it, I hope your gripes went out with the shouts. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now we can have one meeting after the other, can't we? And we got plenty of room to do it. God bless you. Let's turn together tonight. Well, you've had all them great preachers now and all them exciting guys and now you're back with me again. So. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter three, verse 11. I love the word, don't you? Yeah. I absolutely love it. I'm so glad that our shouting and our rejoicing and our jumping and hollering is not based just on enthusiasm and emotion. We, we get enthused. God did. We didn't know that? Mm-hmm. Masterpiece, 1964. God looked at his masterpiece and God got enthused. That's what he said. God got enthused. So there's nothing wrong with enthusiasm. As long as it's enthusiasm about the right thing. But I'm glad that our enthusiasm and our excitement is based upon the word, not just emotion. I love to shout with that organ, but I can shout just as good without it. I love shouting with that piano, but I can shout just as good. I've got my rhythm built in. I've told you all before, I'm a black man on the inside. The music makes it good, but I've got to dance without the music. Why? Because I got a word burst. That gives you a dance. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 11. Let's consult again tonight the master builder. <clears throat> For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, Brother Tim read this, of course, on the first service. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. We're going to pray tonight. How many like to be remembered? We've got a youth camp going up. I'm sure many of you know it up in Indiana. Brother Darrell was there last night, tonight, and tomorrow night. I got a text from him today requesting uh, prayer for him that the Lord would just help him. And the Lord will meet there with all those young folks and, and meet their needs. Erica went to the doctor today, and her platelets are at 9,000. Normal, 
is 150,000 to 450,000. Hers is 9,000. So, Brother Dunn, what does that mean? Nothing. It changes nothing. You hear me? It changes nothing. We believe God's a healer. Amen. Amen. So she texted me today from the doctor's office and, and told me, my God made the first platelets. He'll take care of this. So that's what we're believing. So if you'd remember her tonight, how many has a need, a request on your heart, God bless you. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your great blessings on each of us as your children. Lord, we're still just rejoicing from the tremendous services we had. And we're so thankful still see some of the saints that have hung around for a few days to be with us tonight. And we're honored to have them with us again, Lord. And we're just praying that you'd take your word and speak to us, Father. We're a needy people, and you know our desires are to serve you and to please you with all that we are. Help me to move out of the way tonight, would you, Lord, to be able to speak the words of life. Lord, these needs and requests that we've made known to you, we just pray that you'd move for every one of them. You see, Lord, Erica set tomorrow to have the infusion of these platelets. We know what the doctors are thinking. We know what they are saying. But, Lord, we refuse their report. We believe the report of the Lord. By your stripes, she's already been healed. Lord, these other needs tonight, we commit them to you. Speak to us tonight from your word. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. <clears throat> you may be seated. Let's turn also, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now, we've been looking at each of us as the saints of God that we are going to stand before the Lord in the elevated place, not the white throne judgment, but the place to where that we will give an account for the deeds done in our body. God will only require of each of us what God has given to us. Whatever those gifts and abilities are, you'll never be required of what your brother, your sister, your pastor, or some great man is. You will only be required of what God gives you. Now, I know that whenever we go to trying to find, what does God want me to do, though? What is my place? What is my position? And no doubt most of you would probably say with me tonight sometimes, that is one of the hardest things you'll ever find in your life, is what God wants you to do and what God wants you to be. But you see, God does not uh, hang something out before us and let you pick it out and see if, if that works out for you and try it and see if that's it. No, God doesn't do that. But God actually equips us with what he's called us to do. Now, we want to look at the gifts of the Spirit. And I know this is always treacherous when you go this way and a lot of folks get nervous, but we shouldn't because it's, <clears throat> it's God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, and diversities is diverse kinds. So there are different kinds of gifts. And we can say amen to that. Now, we saw three great men of God preach Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All three of them great preachers. All three of them approached the word 
total different way. All three of them had a total different delivery, a total different way that they'd read the same scriptures and get something totally different out of it. Why? Because God diversifies his gifts. So every preacher does not preach identical. Well, thank God we wouldn't need but one if they did. That one preacher would preach and everybody just stream him and all the rest of us preachers just sit down. But God diversifies the gifts that are in the body. God diversifies the ministry. The prophet even says that, that some men dramatize and some are more like Paul, more of a scholarly type. Some are more of a firebrand. An evangelist comes in all burning up and preaches faith and this and that, gets you all fired up, gets you stirred up, gets something going inside your gastronomics and my, you feel so fired up that way you can come back to church and the pastor can whoop on you and you can take it a little bit better than you did before. So every man has his own ability by which God gives him. Now notice Paul uses the words, I want you to notice these next three verses, how they tie together. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So there's different kinds of gifts and there are differences of administration. So there's different kinds of gifts and then there are different types of administrations or offices. Now, there are different gifts and there are administrations that will be diverse in the way they come out. So even pastors, none of them are the same. Evangelists are none the same. Teachers are all a little bit different. An apostle, a missionary. So God diversifies each one of them in a way that pleases him. Now notice verse six. And there are diversities of operations. So there are diversities of gifts and there are differences of administrations, how it will be administered. So the office of a pastor for some, they may not jump, run, holler, but then there'll be other pastors like Brother David Siler, he's a pastor, and my goodness, he was all across this pulpit. I thought that man was gonna shout himself to death at the end of that service, didn't you? At that chalk statement, I thought, Lord, have mercy. I was looking at it last night, and that man was back there shouting and running around. <laughs> well, you know what, but every pastor don't do that. So does that mean Brother David's more spiritual? A lot of it has to do with how many birthdays you've had as well. <laughs> so he's still a young man. <laughs> so there are differences of the administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Now notice how Paul is diversifying before he starts mentioning what the gifts are by name. Now we believe that God's word is true and infallible. Is that right? How many believes Paul had the authority to write about this? Even though no other writer in the New Testament mentions them. No writer in the Old Testament mentions the nine gifts. Amen? So you mean you believe this on one man's word? Me too. Now, what's, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now, this is why God does it. God never gives us gifts 
so that we will be lifted up and people will adore us and make an idol out of us. No, it's so that God can get glory out of every gift that he puts in the body. Now, notice, here we go to the gifts. Now, he's going to name them. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Now, when I was a Pentecostal preacher and spent those years that I did preaching and being a boy preacher and then on up till I was in there for several years, what I found in Pentecost was the most sought after gifts were the vocal gifts, which were tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. I never run into anybody that wanted the gift of the word of wisdom. And what I find amazing in the message is you find so few of people that want a word of wisdom in the message or even a word of knowledge. Well, I thought we wanted all nine. Do we just want three or two or just certain ones? Isn't, isn't this one important too? You believe it is? Of course we do. For to one is given. I want you to know who gives it now. So it's not us going and saying, now Lord, I want this and I want that. And then Carol says, now Lord, I want this one. And then you go and say, well, I want that one. And you say, I want this one. That's not the way it comes. The spirit of God gives it to us. Now, we know how Brother Random taught this, that actually the Spirit of God could move on someone and they could raise up and speak in tongues and the Spirit of God move on another one and they could interpret and it may never fall on them again. It may never hit them again. You know he said that, right? But at the same time, there are some people that get the deposit of these gifts and they will have them their entire life. Now, why does God do it that way? You can ask him when you see him, because I'm not really sure. For to one is given by the Spirit the word. Notice it's not plural. The word, and this word here is logos. So it is the thought, the concept, the mandate of God. So to one is given the logos of wisdom. Now, look at the meaning of the word, wisdom. Sophia. Supreme intelligence, such as belongs to God. The wisdom of God as events in forming and executing councils in the formation and government of the world and the scriptures. So here is the first spiritual gift, a word of wisdom. So this is not wisdom that comes by age. This is not wisdom that the Bible declared would come when a man would have strength and his strength would be his glory when he was a young man and his gray hair would be his strength and his wisdom when he was an old man. But this is a word that comes from God. And it is not because, well, this aged man has had so much experience and this aged woman has had so much experience and because of that experience, then they're going to say this word to someone about this or that. No, no. You see, this word could actually come to a 20-year-old man. Hang on, everybody. Or a 20-year-old woman. Oh, goodness gracious, alive. 
Now, notice the Bible does not designate that these gifts are for men only. Oh, dear Jesus, help me, help me, Lord. Come on now. Notice Paul does not say, now, these scriptures are only for the brothers. Notice how he identifies this, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. So what is it? It is a word that taps into the supreme wisdom of God. I dare say if there's anybody here tonight that's been serving the Lord for very long, very many years, filled with the Holy Ghost, and that you can recall, and if you will think about it, more than likely there's more people here tonight than not who have had this to happen to you and you didn't even realize what it was. It was a word, it might have been two or three or four, (coughs) and you were talking to someone or someone was in need of something from God, some counsel, and all of a sudden something just dropped in your heart. It was beyond you. It was beyond your knowing. It was beyond your understanding. And it might not have been but a few words, but it was divine. And it was something that come from the Lord and the Lord dropped a word of wisdom and used you as an individual to encourage, to uplift, to be able to bring maybe, you know, a great encouragement to someone that's down and it come and you spoke it and you thought, where did that come from? I didn't even know I knew that. You never knew it. It wasn't like that the resource come from within you. It was a word of wisdom. So where does that come from? It comes from the eternal. But now how many folks in the message want this gift? Well, now you see, this gift may not be used in the pulpit all the time. It is. It is. Yeah, the word of wisdom is used behind the pulpit. It's used in the office counseling people. It's used in more private type secular settings. I'm speaking about myself. When God will drop something down in you and you sit there and you marvel, you say, Lord, have mercy. Oh my goodness. And you realize that was not you. And I study, friends. I study every day of my life. I study. Hours on end, I study. But that don't give me wisdom. That only makes me ready. When I stand up here, the Holy Ghost has got more to anoint. Oh yeah. And he can bring it back to your memory. But whenever this falls upon you, it's not something that you even learned. Not something that you know. God drops this on you and it becomes a word of wisdom. Praise the Lord. To another, the word, logos, of knowledge. Now this Greek word is gnosis. Now it means knowing. But I want you to look at it now. It's not man again. By man memorizing scripture, man memorizing quotes. But notice what the word gnosis means. The deeper, more perfect and enlarged knowledge of religion, such as belongs to the more 
advanced. So you mean then God would use some for a word of wisdom. Others, it would be a gift. Now this is one of the nine spiritual gifts. How many knew this? Nine spiritual gifts. So God then, so they're not speaking in tongues. They may not even be shouting or jerking or anything like that. But all of a sudden, it's just a word of divine supreme knowledge. And remember, there is no greater source than him. Now, no matter how much we know his word, we don't know nothing compared to him. So we limit what God can do through us when we think, well, I can't remember that. And I don't remember, I don't remember. Well, the gift is there to to say something that you never even learned yourself in the first place. But yet it comes from the divine source of knowledge, which is God himself. My Lord, how many wants to be open to let God use you? Now watch, it'll never say nothing contrary to the word. So to one is by giving the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. Now remember only one river but yet many gifts coming out of that river and that river is the Holy Ghost. Now what's Paul, he says, to another faith. Now we know that it's given to every man has a measure of faith, but this is not the saving faith here. This is not the faith that said, well, I believe God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, you'll never be saved if you don't believe that. But this gift right here It's not that type of faith. This gift right here was in many men down through the ages. It was really manifested uh, back in the restoration, but it was in a lot of men, a man called Jack Cole, a man called A.A. Allen, uh, different ones that had the gift of faith. Now, let me, if you're not familiar with Jack Cole, you've heard the name of Jack Cole, right? Well, this is what Jack Cole would do. Whenever people would come up in the prayer line to be prayed for, every person that come up and had on glasses, Jack Coe had an anvil, an anvil standing beside his pulpit. And the first thing he would do is reach and grab your glasses off of your face and take his hammer and bust your glasses. So you better have faith or you're gonna go off like this. (laughs) If you come up on crutches, he would take your crutches and burst them to splinters. Not after he prayed for you, before. If you were in a wheelchair, he would disable the wheelchair. The prophet said he never seen a man like him with that what he called bulldog face. Now you imagine in this day, that man would have scared people to death. Brother Ram said there's only one Jack Cole. God knew the world couldn't handle two of them at one time, he said. Now he was a very radical type of a guy. But Brother Random identified. Now remember, Jack Cole never done any discerning. And Jack Cole was not a, a theologian. He was a good preacher. And they've got some videos out on YouTube and stuff where you can hear him. Actually, you'll hear him preach in one place, and Brother Random is sitting there behind him. And you'll watch Brother Branham as he worships God and then he makes an altar call. Brother Branham comes up and prays and stuff so they're at the same meeting. But Jack Cole was not a theologian. He was not a prophet. But Brother Branham identifies Jack Cole of having the gift of faith. Now, what's this? Most of the ministers who preach divine healing, he says, are usually all that I have ever met 
are great teachers of the word. Some of them just have a powerful faith. They lay hands on the people and scream out and make the enemy leave them. Now that's faith. That's a gift of faith. So a person then could not say, now the Lord shows me you've got this and the Lord shows me you've got that. Wonder why it is that people tend to gravitate more toward that type than they do the gift of faith or the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. But I don't find Paul listing them in that order, which is the greater or which is the lesser. But you see, the gift of faith is something that is definitely gonna be more widespread over the world than that prophetic gift, which is only given to a prophet, to be able to stand and discern people's hearts. Notice again, he said, I've seen Oral praying for a little baby, Oral Roberts. From up in Canada, he had a bad eye. And I believe the parents was Catholic and Brother Roberts in his real way of faith, he slammed his hand down on that little baby and prayed for it and the little baby was healed. Now that's a real gift of faith that Oral Roberts had. Yet Oral Roberts was a Trinitarian. Oral Roberts was not a theologian. Oral Roberts, we know what he wound up being. Wound up being a compromiser, basically. As it got older and older, in order to build his university and all that sort of thing, he was not a prophet. He was not a vindicated messenger. Somebody say amen. amen. But yet, he did have a gift of faith. There were thousands times thousands of people that were healed in Oral Roberts' ministry. And he's the one who coined the term of making a point of contact when people would have a television or a radio and they would put their hand for it and touch that. He's the one that coined that term. And they had many mighty miracles. But did the man discern? No, he was not a prophet. So what did he use? He had a gift of faith. Well, you know, I believe myself, looking at other men that we know in the message, that there are men in the message that have a real gift of faith. I personally believe Brother Darrell Ward has a great gift of faith because he prays and he believes and he'll encourage you to go on and he'll tell the people, you send me an email or you write me a letter when you're well. Or he'll give them a prayer cloth and say, you mail this back to me whenever you will. He's got them back from all over the world. Because he has a real faith to be able to just smack that devil and the devil going down to hell like this. He don't know what in the world ever hit him. But why is it that a lot of times folks tend to minimize that and think that it's not as great as the Lord showing somebody, well, I see this or I see that. Who is it that diversified that gift and made it greater than the gift of faith? Anybody answer me? Mm, I didn't think so. Now, watch this. When Paul identifies faith, now he says to another, the gifts of healing. Now, faith is singular. Word is singular of wisdom, word of knowledge singular, but when we come to healing now, we have gifts. Gifts of healing. Instead of just one gift, there is no such a thing as the gift of healing. It is gifts of healing. Now watch, the prophet again said, some of those who have great faith in healing, that's called gifts of healing or gift of healing, And he says, there is no such a thing 
as the gift of healing. Because it's in its plural, it's gifts. So there are gifts of healing. Now some of you are really going to wrinkle your nose at me right here. But God might drop it in a sister's heart to be able to pray for another sister. And she would have an empathy in her soul for that sister, maybe more so than her brother would. Now, does that mean that sister's supposed to get her a microphone and start having a prayer line in the back of the church while I'm having one here? She'll be set down if she does. Praise the Lord. Why? Because God never called her to start no prayer line. But we know from the example the prophet gave us of the woman who had the baby and she was up in the balcony, you remember the story? And she was walking around, the baby crying, crying, crying. The woman uh, sitting there and she had a seat and this woman didn't have a seat. She said, honey, take my seat. Oh, thank you, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, take my seat. And then she sat down and she said, sister, honey, uh, this just keeps coming on my heart to pray for your baby, would you mind? I know you've got a prayer card. And Brother Branham was going to pray for your baby, but would you mind? She said, why, no, dear. Go right ahead. Well, that little sister prayed for the baby. Later, the prophet brought her upon the platform, and she comes across to the prayer line, and he looks at her, a vision breaks forth, and said, your baby is already healed. That woman right back there prayed for your baby, and God heard her prayer right then. Now, Brother Brandon goes on to tell us that God knew that that mother would have a feeling in her heart for that child. You see, we've, we've done such a discredit by thinking this is only for preachers, that it's only for men only. Why, you mamas and your baby's running a fever at home and you can't get a hold of me and you can't get a hold of Brother Darrell, I'll tell you one person you can get a hold of and he's the only one that matters anyway and that's the Lord Jesus. And the Lord can come right there and you lay your little hand right on that baby and say in the name of Jesus, Satan, I heard our pastor read it from the word of God. Leave my child right now in Jesus' name. I believe it'll happen if you'll believe it with all your heart. Now watch how the prophet takes this and diversifies. And he said, God works in many different ways to heal the sick. You know, in another quote there in 63, I believe it was, he said that God heals by music. God heals by surgery. God heals by love. And he went through several different things that God healed by, so there are gifts of healing. You say music, I remember when old Elisha was in a really bad mood. You remember the prophet Elisha? And he got in a really bad mood one day, and they needed a word from the Lord, but he wasn't in no mood to be able to give them no good word from the Lord. So he said, somebody bring a minstrel. Well, that was somebody that played an instrument. So they brought the minstrel in. That old boy got to playing on that thing, and his hands must have been anointed as he was plucking across them strings and whatever it was he was doing. And old Elisha just got all calmed down and relaxed, and his spirit got all calmed down in the presence of God, and the hand of God moved on that prophet and he began to give them a word from the Lord after the music come. That's exactly why we sing before we preach. Sometimes we come in here and we're all muddled up in our minds and we've got business deals on our minds and we're worried about this and worried about that. We need to get under the anointing and sing a little bit and clap our hands and worship God and get in the right mood. How many of you got to get in the right mood sometime? You got to get in the right mood in order to be able to get into the service. Oh my. Notice the prophet said God works in many ways to heal the sick. 
Sometimes preaching the word. I've seen it countless of times that whenever you're preaching, you'll see them sometimes they'll come up here and you'll notice that they'll tell me something and I won't pray for them. Well, most of the time it's them sharing a testimony that while they're sitting there in the pew, the Lord healed them or they're talking about that very thing that I preached and when they got there, it dropped in their heart. They don't need prayer. They just wanted to share the testimony. Why? God healed them when they're sitting right there in their pew. You believe God can do that? Sure. A preacher don't even have to lay hands on him at all. But notice how he goes this way. So sometimes the preaching of the word, sometimes a neighbor sitting by you and just lay his hand over on you and feel like he should do so, always do that. Whatever a born again child of God feels to pray for the sick, that's the Holy Spirit moving in you to do so. No matter who, is gonna pray for the person, you go ahead and pray for them anyhow. Well, they told me they was gonna get Brother Donna to pray for him. I, I better not. No, you better pray for them because the Lord may go ahead and answer your prayer and they'll just tell me God healed them and you prayed for them. You see, friend, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I just don't understand. While we think it's so important that this man or that man or another man gets credit, well, I prayed for so-and-so and this happened. And I prayed for so-and-so. What in the world's the matter with us? We don't deserve no credit. We don't deserve no honor. Well, I prayed for him and I done this and that and the other. My, my, what difference does it make who prayed for him? If God answered prayer and they're better, isn't that the most important thing? They got healed. They got delivered. Praise God, that's what we want. Oh, my. Look at verse 10. Now, remember, gifts are dangerous. Do you know that you can take a divine gift and send your soul to hell with it? I'll let you ponder on that for a little bit. Now, verse 10, he says, to another, the working of miracles. I wonder how many preachers in the message if was offering out the gifts tonight, that'd be the first one they'd want. Why? People tend to talk about that more. Seems to be more visible. Well, y'all getting quiet on me. To another, the working of miracles. The working of miracles. Is, not, is that not a great gift? It is absolutely a phenomenal gift. But is that the only one? No. So what if a person doesn't need a miracle, but they need a word of wisdom? So and then they go to a preacher that has the ability and God uses him to perform great signs and wonders and miracles, but at that present time, they're not sick. And they don't have, a, you know, a great mighty Red Sea that's laying before them. They need a word from God. They need a word of wisdom. I'm talking about, the Lord tells me there's somebody in the building tonight that's sad. Wow, what discernment. The Lord tells me there's somebody here tonight that's got a pain. I can't pinpoint it, but it's from the crown down to the bottom of the foot, somewhere in that general area right there. That covers everything, don't it? 
Oh, my goodness. To another working of miracles. Mama, working of miracles. To another prophecy. Wow, now that's a great one, ain't it? Is that great prophecy? And you know that prophecy, tongues being interpreted, is prophecy. But that requires a team or the same person can be able to speak in tongues and then interpret what they said, which is prophecy. But a man or a woman can have prophecy alone. Prophecy is a standalone gift. So the Spirit of God could fall on them and they would say, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow, Johnson City, a bomb will fall out of a plane and such and such and so and so will happen. Well, if that was God, you better run. I said, you better run. Now, if it wasn't God, we'll all be gathered here on Sunday morning and we'll be trying to figure out how to cover the height of that person who lied. God don't lie. If God says you're going to go hunting and you're going to do this and that and the other, it'll happen. If God says it's going to rain tomorrow at 1201, it'll rain 35 seconds and then it'll stop and then it will come an absolute deluge for another 47 minutes and 35 seconds. Mark it down. It will happen exactly that way. If God don't say it, ooh, you're in trouble because you got a lying spirit on you. Dear Jesus. Look, friends, God don't lie. So to one is giving the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Now listen carefully. So one is called by God to work miracles. Another is called by God to prophesy. Another is called to discern spirits. But now remember, this is not the prophetic gift of discernment. Ah, you didn't know there's a difference, huh? Well, you're fixing to find it out. This is exactly as it says, discerning of spirits. You know what amazes me is that some of the message preachers preach this message and preach Brother Branham that he's a prophet and this and that and the other, and they'll take, oh, they'll take his quotes on the rapture, they'll take his quotes on the seven seals, they'll take his quotes on women cutting their hair, and they'll take his quotes on this and that and the other, but when it comes to the gifts, it's like they think somehow Brother Branham didn't know what he's talking about. Well, that don't make a lick of sense to me. If I can't trust his teaching on the gifts, how can I know I can trust his teaching on the rapture? How can I trust his teaching on the holiness and a lot of the other things if I can't trust his teaching on the gifts? Well, come on, somebody. So watch, now Paul is wanting the church at Corinth. And of course, Paul knew that it was more than the church at Corinth. He knew that this would be, no doubt, read for countless of ages. So he wants them to be able to see what God wants to do in the body. Now remember, the body of Christ reflects the mind of Christ. What God wants the body doing on the earth in his stead shows what he thought about the body. It's not what you and I think God wants us to do. It's not what the church world thinks God wants us to do. It's what God said himself, this is what I want my church to do in my absence. 
I want you all to carry out my work the same way I did. Well, can you understand that Jesus had all of this? Jesus operating the gift of faith. Jesus operating the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. He operated in all this. Jesus spoke in tongues on the cross and Jesus was able to discern spirits. So all of this come from the great fountain at one time. He's the only one, no doubt, that it will ever be that way. And then God, through the ages, he will disperse these gifts down through time and they were lost during the church ages. What was the Pentecostal message? A restoration of the gifts. How many of them? But what did mostly Pentecost emphasize? Tongues, interpretation, prophecy. So that's the only three they got. I've always wondered myself, but Jack, and hoped before I left this world or before the rapture came, there would be true scriptural manifestations of this word of God. Now, either we believe it's still the word of God like it was when Paul wrote it, or we have to say, well, well now that, that ain't no more. Says who? The prophet said these things should be in every local body. Well, praise the Lord. Discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. Now, if I would ask here tonight, how many people knows what this means? No doubt the answer would be diversified. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure that some would say, I, I know what it means, I know what it means. It's this man calling this person out and, and, and telling them this and that and the other. Are you sure? Discerning of spirits. Now Peter, by this gift, discerned that Ananias had lied to the Holy Ghost. Now remember, it, it could be taken like that Peter was using prophetic discernment, but he was not. He was not a prophet. You see, this prophetic discernment of the Son of Man is only to be one in a generation. Only one. Only one. But discerning of spirits is a gift that's to be in the body which is not the prophetic gift. Boy, y'all are sure looking at me funny. Have I got something on my face? I mean, I, I thought I wiped my face off. Now watch, discerning of spirits. It does not use the word discernment. But discerning of spirits, what does it do? What does the word discern? To see right from wrong. So discerning of spirits is not somebody standing up with discernment. I'm sorry, that is the wrong meaning of the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Peter could tell by discerning of spirits when he looked at Ananias, you have lied to the Holy Ghost and they packed him out a dead man, right? Sapphira come in, same thing, discerning of spirits, and said, you have also lied to the Holy Ghost, and the men that packed your husband out are standing at the door, and they will pack you out. 
Now, he did not tell her what her name was, didn't tell her what her street address was. He did not read her thoughts or read her mind. He was discerning the spirit. This is a church gift that belongs in the body of Christ. But this is not a prophetic gift. Now, look at me funny if you want to. You know I wouldn't be saying this if I didn't have it in front of me. Sometimes I like to check you out and see how much you know, how much you think you know anyway. So discerning of spirits, oh, do we need it? Yes. Yes. We still need discerning of spirits if we would allow the Lord. He would help us to keep from getting hurt a lot of times by people that ain't got the right spirit anyhow. And if he could be able to flow through us, oh my. Now, you remember also, there was another example. Now, remember, Peter was a great man, but Peter was not a prophet. He was not a church-age messenger. Even though he preceded Paul, he did not have the gift that Paul had. Praise the Lord. Now, watch in Acts chapter 8, verse 18. There was a man by the name of Simon, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now remember, this man had become supposedly converted under Philip the evangelist. Now apparently, Philip did not have this this gift of discerning of spirits. So this man says, he, he believes the Lord, he's accepted the message, and he's hanging around the message church. But Peter has already been used by God to discern spirits. So watch, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now watch here, Peter and them, they laid their hands on the people and they received the Holy Ghost. And this Simon Magus is his name, Simon Magus. So Simon said, hey, 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 I'll pay you for that. I'll give you money. I want that same thing. Now remember this guy was hanging around and he, would, uh, he had been a magician. So he'd been working in the realm of demonology and witchcraft. So he wanted this and Peter, that thing struck him again. Oh my, I want you to listen to what he said. Saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. That sounds like a real desire, don't it? but it was as selfish as the devil himself. Now, once you notice what Peter's response was, oh, brother, brother, we're all so full of love around here. and We don't never say nothing harsh to nobody. Oh, brother, uh, not brother Peter. He was rougher than a corn cob. And Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought the gift of God may be purchased with money, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. For thy heart, oh, thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Boy, that's a mouthful. How are you gonna be able to tell what's in a man's heart? Discerning of spirits. Your heart ain't right, you ain't got no part of this, you ain't got no lot. 
And yet, no doubt, Philip went back to town and said, glory to God, I'll tell you what, I was over there preaching, there's a magician got saved. Oh, glory to God, I'll tell you one thing, out there testifying, hallelujah to God, man, a lot. You talking about a meeting. We had awful one of office meetings ever was. I ever seen in my life, that magician come up there, he give his heart to the Lord. Oh, glory to God, I was in South Africa a few years ago, I'm talking about me, and there'd have been a message preacher there in front of me, oh, just a few weeks, he'd been to this certain, certain place, and I'd done heard them coming back and this talking about bragging boy we witnessed to the message of this certain certain guy we baptized him he was on fire with the Holy Ghost and I was there about two weeks after that he was still drinking he was still smoking he was still wearing his short breeches around like a little girl he was still doing this and that and the other and they was going all over the states bragging about what God had done for him that's the way a lot of preachers are they nothing but a bag of wind Oh, come on, Brother Donnie, preach. I'll tell you one thing. If you ever get a hold to Jesus, the drinking will go. The cigarettes will go. The short wine will go. The lying will go. The cheating will go. You will be a changed person. Wow. Peter said, repent of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps, I mean, he's hanging him over hell and not sure there's even any mercy left for him. Perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven. Boy, Peter sure wouldn't make a good layout of sin, would he? You imagine a lad who said, oh, no matter what you've done, it don't make no difference. You can cuss God. You can blaspheme. Why, whatever, we're all going to heaven. No way, you, oh my, you son of the devil yourself preach such lies and damn them people to hell. No, we ain't all going to heaven. There's only one way, and that way is Jesus Christ. And you cannot come unless the Father draws you to that way. Wow. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. How could he say this in such a forceful, assertive way? It wasn't just his gift to preach. God had used him in discerning of spirits and this man's own mouth, this man's own behavior showed who is still on the throne of his heart. Don't you see what God wants the body to become? To a child of God filled with the Holy Ghost, the body is a servant to the soul. The body becomes, that's what it is when you're a sinner. The body is a servant to the nature of the soul when you're lost. So the body fulfills whatever the soul wants. If the soul wants to drink, if it wants to lie, whatever it wants to do, the body just goes ahead and does it. And when a person is born again, the same thing ought to happen again, except you got a new master on the throne of your heart, and then the body becomes a servant. Hey, body, I'm gonna clap my hands. My soul ain't got none. Well, here you go, here's mine. Go ahead and clap them, boy. I wanna dance a little bit. Well, here's my feet. Go ahead and dance. I wanna shout. I wanna worship God. I wanna go to church and the body said yes sir yes sir yes sir watch these words verse 23 for I 
receive. Oh, here we go. How did he perceive? By discerning of spirits. That thou art in the gall of bitterness. I'll tell you one thing. He preached rougher to this guy in four verses than a lot of church folks here in 40 years, didn't he? He stripped him down, laid him bare right before hell and hung him right there by a string and said, buddy, you better repent fast and you better get back to God. I hope there's mercy for you. You imagine this old boy shook up. He was scared totally to death. He said, oh, pray for me. Pray for me, Peter. Why? He did not need a word of wisdom. He did not need a word of knowledge. He did not need miracles. He did not need, well, somebody preach with me tonight. What did he need? Discerning of spirits to say, man, you need to be set free from that evil thing. I think we'll still need it, don't you? I want you to know Simon's response. Let me finish verse 23. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. In other words, you ain't nothing but a make-believer boy. You better get your ass straightened out quick. I just hope there's mercy for you. I'm not sure there's even an ounce left. Well, if, if Peter would have said that to a man who wanted to be able to have the gift of God to give the Holy Ghost out, I wonder what he'd do to a bunch of these make-believing preachers and the denominations and so on today. Lord, have mercy. They probably wouldn't let Peter, he wouldn't be able to preach five minutes in the pulpit, would he? I wonder how many of our message churches Peter would be able to preach in. He'd stand up there and go to preaching about the gall of bitterness and y'all biting, biting and doing this and that. And I said, what in the world's the matter, you all bunch of people? I thought you all believed the apostolic doctrine that me and Paul and James and Matthew preached. You folks are a bunch of pansies. You're a bunch of weaklings. You got your feelings out on your shoulder. And if the preacher don't shake your hand, you ain't coming back. What in the world's the matter with you all? You all need to get that same Holy Ghost that we got on the day of Pentecost. It helped us to die for it. It helped us to live for it. We raise the dead. We heal the sick. We cast out devils. We discern spirits. And it'll do the same for you. We'd all be sitting in here and say, dear Jesus. I mean, some of y'all be watching the pastor and say, what's Brother Donnie saying? Is Brother Donnie nodding his head? If he knows he's dead, I'm going to nod mine. If Brother Donnie's got that peculiar look in his face, I'm going to have that peculiar look in mine. You imagine these boys, they didn't play. They didn't play. They wasn't there to rub people on the head. They was there to tell them the truth. Now notice Simon's response. Then answered Simon and said, pray ye to the Lord for me. Now prior to this discerning, he wanted to buy the Holy Ghost so he could give it out. And after this discerning of spirits, he didn't even feel worthy to pray. Wow. Did God give the man what he needed? A good rebuking. Oh, you imagine some of these Laodicean preachers, they said, come on in, brother, how much money you got? Well, we got this gift on sale this week. We got it on sale this week, but I ain't got but 24,995. That's exactly the price tag, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
You know, brother, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. So you've got to have gifts. You've got to buy into God's gifts. Oh, if you need a miracle in your hour, pray and we'll send you this holy anointed blue raspberry body armor. The man of God has touched it and rubbed that precious Holy Ghost sweat all over that bottle and we'll sell it to you for $10,000. I'll let you have this one for free. Holy Ghost sweat. Whoever heard of such nonsense? There ain't no such thing as Holy Ghost sweat. My sweat stinks just like yours does. There's only one holy thing among us and that's the mighty God. It ain't the holy preacher. It ain't the holy church. It's the Holy Ghost. Woo. So Paul says to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues. Diverse kinds of tongues. Now we know there are tongues of men and there are tongues of angels. I know a lot of the message folks don't even believe in tongues no more. Yes, you do. That one that causes you so much trouble. It's cut in the middle and tied on both ends. It's the best one. Some of y'all seem like you got two or three tongues the way you gab and gossip and carry on. Preach, Brother Donnie. Oh, Lord of God, we don't need all this. Brother Donnie, you taking us. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You taking us back to Pentecost. Oh, dear God, don't tell me we're going back to 1906. No, 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 no. We're going way further back to 1906. We're going back to Acts chapter two where the original Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. Not just the restoration of gifts, but the enduing of the power of God that changes our lives. Diverse kinds of tongues. Some of these tongues will be interpreted and some won't. Some will be intended for prayer only. You alone with God. And the Holy Ghost will begin to speak out of you. You say, why in the world would he do that? I reckon because he figures I ain't smart enough to know what to say. So he's got to take over my tongue and say what I need to say. Well, don't sit there and look at me. Some of y'all don't know what to pray a bit more than I do. Paul even said sometimes he'll utter things that can't even be articulated. How's he do it? By groanings in the spirit. To where he said, oh. People say, Lord, have mercy. That ain't praying. Read your Bible a little closer. Sometimes you don't even know the words to say. Nobody know what I'm talking about. When you get down there and you're just groaning and groaning and groaning. And what is it? The Spirit of God. And then maybe all of a sudden you'll break forth and speak in a language you never talked in your life. And then you may talk in that for a bit and then break forth into another and into another. Well, come on, somebody. Why? Because the Bible says God does. Well, why in the world would God do that? Ask him. I'm just the mailman. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So a person that is an interpreter, if they're a genuine interpreter, and I'm speaking in Arabic, which I have, or in Hebrew, which I have, or Italian, which I have, or Spanish, which I have, and German, which I have, Well, you say, I didn't know you was that smart. I ain't. 
I don't even speak good English. Must that's anything else. Brother Donnie, no, 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 don't tell me. Don't tell me you speak speaking things. I just told you. And I'm not ashamed of it. I said I'm not ashamed of it. Anybody else in here that's not ashamed to say, well, yeah, glory to God every now and then I do too. Oh, 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 oh. I'm surprised at some of you that do. Oh, Lord, have mercy, glory to God. I'd never thought a previous loser had ever talked in tongues. I'd never thought a previous Baptist or a Church of Christ would ever talked in tongues. But that's what the Holy Ghost does. Once he gets a hold of you, he throws Lutheranism out the window. He throws Catholicism out the window. Why? Because God says, I want somebody, even in the message, that I can get their mouth and speak out of them. What language do you speak, brother, beside English? Come here. I'm going to say it in English. You speak it in Swahili. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. He come down from heaven. How many understands what he's saying? Ah, thank you. So to the rest of us, it's Swahili. Or Greek or French, I mean, we, we wouldn't know the difference. Now, how could he interpret what I said? Because he also speaks and hears English. So tongues that are to be interpreted they will speak in whatever language and a person with the gift of interpretation will hear it just like he heard it. And he'll bring it forth in that language and others are sitting there saying, what in the world is he talking about? What in the world is he saying? You see, that's why that the Bible and the prophet goes right along when teaching the same thing, that without an interpreter in the church, let them hold their peace. People get up and speak in tongues and speak in tongues and speak in tongues and we sit here and we sit here and we sit here and nothing happens. That person's supposed to hold their peace. I ain't talking about whenever you're praying. I ain't talking about when you come up, you know, on the altar and all that and the Holy Ghost is all over you. I'm talking about when it interrupts the service or even at the end of the service and people stand and speak in tongues and speak in tongues and speak in tongues and nothing ever comes out of it. Let him hold his peace or her hold hers except there be an interpreter. Then an interpreter will hear it exactly as my brother heard my English and translated it into Swahili. So if it had been the opposite and I was up here speaking in tongues in Swahili and he had the gift of interpretation, he'd be able to stand up. Yes, the Lord Jesus loves you. He came down from heaven. I spoke it in Swahili and he heard it and he gave it to you to make it understandable so the world wouldn't think we're more crazy than what they already do. Anybody here believe in this? Verse 11, but all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man several is his will. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular, I love this word particular, part, portion, a part do, or assigned to one. A lot, a destiny, in a measure. 
So God chose to do it this way in order to reveal his mind in the body. So the body would act out the mind of Christ. So the body of Christ is the servant to the soul of Christ. Now I won't go over your head now, but remember what the prophet tells us souls in prison now about that soul. A soul of God, in 1965, he tells us the soul of God that was in God before the foundation of the world. Christ Jesus should be the soul of our church, the soul of our lives, the soul of everything we are. Then what are we? The body of Christ. Then we are a servant to our soul, which is our master. Glory to God. Can I have a few more minutes? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. some in the church, first, apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts, notice again, plural, of healings, helps, uh, helps, helps, But we'd rather be apostles and prophets. And... But how can you run a church without helps? But who wants to be helps? If people don't want to be a prophet, they want to be the next word, government. They want to run the church. <laughs> Diversities of tongues. Now, did the New Testament church have and believe in prophets? I thought the Bible said the law and the prophets were unto John. You see, these poor knuckleheads that have left the message and try to use that scripture to disqualify Brother Branham are disqualifying the book of Acts when they do it. They're so ignorant they don't even realize the law was the Torah and the prophets was identified from the first five books of Moses on down to Malachi. That's the way it's referred to over and over and over again in the Bible, the law and the prophets. So the first five books of Moses and from there on over to the book of Malachi, so it was identifying. It was not excluding prophets from the New Testament. And somebody said, Acts chapter 11, verse 27. And in these days came after John came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. So did the New Testament church believe in prophets? But now remember, these are church prophets. It's not the church age messenger. He's not on the scene yet in his office. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world. I love this. So Luke writes the prophecy and then tells the time when it was fulfilled. Which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now was this man a great preacher? We don't know. Was this man an evangelist? We don't know. Was this man a church age messenger? 
He was not. That I do know. Did he even write any books? I've never found one in history or church history where he ever wrote anything. He was known in the book of Acts by two prophecies, but he was called a prophet. Now, this is not like Paul, you understand? Now, what's there? Acts chapter 21, verse 10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now, this is again Luke writing about him traveling with Paul. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him unto the hands of the Gentiles. Now, it doesn't even sound like he even knew who Paul was. But watch how he's acting out in a symbolism as an Old Testament prophet, but he never gave us any books. There's no book of Agabus. There's no letter that he wrote to any church, but he was a New Testament prophet. And when we heard these things, both we and they of the place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. So they hear Agabus prophesy this and they tell Paul, please don't go, don't go. Watch Paul. And then Paul answered and said, what mean you to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die, Jerusalem, for the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh my. Now look with me in chapter 12, verse 29. Are all apostles... Answer it with me. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Hmm. Have all the gifts of healing? But I want you to notice they are still part of the all. Now he's not talking about the world and comparing the prophets, the apostles, the gifts of healing, but he's talking about the body. So is everybody in the body a prophet? No. Is everybody in the prophet or an apostle? No. Does everybody in the body have the gift of miracles? No. But they're in the body. And nobody can take your place. The greatest miracle worker that there is among us cannot take your place or take your crown that God's ordained for you to wear. Notice this, are all teachers, no, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues? So you mean we're still talking about people in the body and Paul didn't believe everybody in the body had to speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now let me go on and say this, do all see visions? No. What was the commission that Jesus gave to his church in Mark 16, 17? And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils, take up serpents, which Paul did on the aisle, of course. There was not a snake handling church now. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the commission to the church never included visions, shouting, jumping, running. But we believe in all of that, do we not? 
Now, I wonder why Jesus wouldn't use that as a sign and say, well, every believer will have a vision because he knew they would not. But this would be among the believers. Signs, following, casting out devils, raising the dead. Will every believer do it? No, you won't. Some of y'all let the devil beat you over the head because you ain't never done this and that and the other. It ain't your place to. Remember Florence Shakarian coming to Brother Branham and she said, Brother Branham, I have fasted and fasted and fasted to cast out devils. He said, Sister Florence, you wouldn't call to do such. You was called to fast for them who's called to cast out devils. You see, once we find that spot, then godliness with contentment is great gain. Then you won't let the devil beat you over there. Well, you never spoke in tongues. Why, brother Donnie speaks in tongues. The brother so and so does. Why look at so and so? They stand up and lay their hands on the sick and they say, "Look, devil, shut your mouth." If God wants me to speak in tongues, he'll give it to me. If I believe it, if he wants me to lay my hands on the sick, he'll give it to me. And you shut your mouth trying to torment me because I'm gonna be what God made me be. How many believes in visions? Acts chapter two, verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men, not limited now to prophets. This type of vision. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Acts nine, verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus. Notice it doesn't even say he's a preacher now. A disciple named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a a vision. Ananias, and he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias. So Paul ain't even got saved yet, as we'd call saved, sanctified, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. He's just praying. You mean this man saw a vision and he didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet? This man saw a vision and he just now comes straight off the street from you know, absolutely condemning the believers and blaspheming the name of the Lord Jesus and the Lord shows the man a vision. Is this your Bible? Now, is this a prophetic vision? No. Is this an end time messenger vision? No. Look, friends, I'm sorry you didn't know this is in your Bible. Can I go on? Are you sure? (laughs) Acts chapter 10, verse one. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman centurion of the Italian band. Not saved, not sanctified, not baptized. And listen, what happened to this man? A centurion of the band that was called the Italian band, a devout man under the law now, doing everything he knew to do, but he still wasn't saved. One that feared God and had his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God. That sounds like a good church member, don't it? He saw in a... Wow. So you mean a person could actually see a vision 
and not be a prophet. But it wouldn't be a vision the way it would come to a prophet. Now remember the Bible tells us in the Old Testament and the word of the Lord was precious in those days because there was no open vision. You see, this is why God used prophets in this way because when God would show them a vision, they're so made where they cannot, listen, they cannot say anything wrong in that vision. The word of the Lord comes through the vision and the vision is infallible. Now you said you believed what Paul wrote, right? Well, according to the Bible, every word is supposed to be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So show me at least one more that wrote about the nine gifts of the Spirit. Preachers can be smart, Alex, sometimes, can't they? <laughs> but yet you believe Paul had the inspiration of God? Now, do you need another writer in the New Testament before you're going to believe what Paul said about the gifts? What Paul said about women and their hair? He's the only one that wrote about it. You're going to believe what Paul said in the book of Hebrews about many of the types and the shadows of the Old Testament? You mean you're going to take one man's word for it? Let's apply that same principle to Moses coming down off the law. When Moses said off the mountain with the law of God, when Moses said God wrote that with his own finger, where's two more witnesses to say God did? But you see, God so hones them prophets in, their gift is not the same as discerning of spirits in the church. That one can hit or miss. Let's stand. Let me read the rest of this of Cornelius. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Strange that he didn't use the same word vision. Look at what the word trance means. I thought that was absolutely rapturous. A man who, by some sudden emotion, is transported, as it were, out of himself. So that in this rapt, rapt, R-A-P-T, rapture, rapt. This is the kind of rap I believe in. <laughs> is drawn off from all surrounding objects. 
and wholly fixed on things divine that he sees nothing but the forms and images lying within. <laughs> wow. But what's amazing to me is when God appears to Cornelius in this vision, it's as plain and simple as it can be. When God appears to Paul, it's as plain and simple. But I want you to notice when God appears to Peter. And he saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit or tied up at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth. Wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. This trance is full of symbols. Cornelius didn't say nothing about having no symbols at all. Ananias didn't say nothing about having no symbols. Neither did Paul's have any symbols. He said, wonder why in the world the Lord chose symbols to use Peter. Must have been God's way of dealing with him. He's kind of a stubborn sort of a guy, you know, hard-headed. And the Lord really had to convey him about this. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God has cleansed and called, not thou common. This was done thrice. See what I'm saying about him being stubborn and hard-headed? Isn't this amazing? A Gentile saw one vision, and it was enough. Ananias was sent to a man that they knew was guilty of killing Christians. God didn't have to send him three. He sent him one. But it happens to Peter three times. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So Peter's trying to figure out what in the world? God wants me to eat shrimp? Lord have mercy. God wants me to eat crab. He wants me to eat duck and goose. Lord, surely to goodness that wasn't a hog. Peter, you don't know what them Baconator sandwiches is like, man. I'm telling you, boy. <laughs> you imagine God showing him and Peter saying, what in the world is the matter with me? This couldn't be the Holy Ghost. This couldn't be God. But it was. Somebody's sitting there pondering and thinking, Lord, have mercy. You mean I've got to start eating pork? Ribs? Hog jowl? Lord, have mercy. The brothers will kill me. They'll throw me out of the church. And while he's thinking on it, some old boys downstairs knocking on the door said, y'all got a man here by the name of Peter? <laughs> yeah, it just so happens we do. The Lord God sent us. Hallelujah. The men which were sent from Cordelius had made inquiry at Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Now you see, that isn't the same thing as a prophetic gift. Let me just give you this. Some of y'all will die if I don't give it to you for Wednesday night. You'll be panicking. Three witnesses in 1951, the prophet said, there's a gift in the church of discernment. Yeah. 
That's true. But a prophetic gift is ordained before the foundation of the world. Greater than Solomon. I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, you don't have to wait for some special advances to come. No, no. Your pastor has the same. Now, he may not be able to have that prophetic gift that comes. What did he say? One in a generation. Ah, one in a generation. This is why I'm not looking for a Malachi four and a half. I'm not looking for another prophet to come. If you are, I feel sorry for you. Why? We've done got the one that we needed. Is that right? Now he said, but look, he has the same rights to pray for you that I would. That discernment doesn't heal you. It only brings you God conscious that you're in the presence of God. Again, I believe what I'm praying. I'm gonna pray for you in these pastors. See, I don't want to leave the town. People think, well, the evangelist is here. He did this. I want you to know your pastor has the same authority. He might not see visions that may become one, but he's got the same authority from God. You know, Brother Branham said, Brother Billy Paul saw these visions just like him. As a matter of fact, Brother Ram said they'd be going down the road and Billy Paul would say, there'll be a certain, certain place you'll go around this curve and Brother Ram would say, stop, let me finish it. So Billy would see part of it and Brother Ram would tell the rest of it. Brother Ram said if he would commit himself to God, we would be running two prayer lines. You know he said that? Well, he did. It's amazing how those gifts can run in families and land on somebody that's not even called to do it. I better close right now. How many is happy you come to church tonight? The rest of you wish you'd have went to Walmart, huh? (laughs) And I'll read you another one. Now, I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, you don't have to wait for some special advances to come. He may not be able to have the prophetic gift that comes one in a generation. I notice a greater than Solomon. Evangelist goes in town, does all the praying, all the baptizing. Then the people, when he leaves, well, the pastor think their pastor is nothing. Yeah. Your pastor is a man of God, he said. He lets you safe this far, he can take you on. He's an instructed man of God. Again, he says, identification of God has always been knowing can foresee what has been and tell what has been, how it is and what it will be. Well, that's how the prophets was known. That's how Jesus was known as the Messiah. He's the same Messiah today, only without a corporal body here on earth. He sent the spirit back to use your body and my body. Now, you might not be able to do this. We know in the scripture, there is one in a generation. Trial Topeka. I don't say your pastor or anybody will be taking this gift of discernment. They don't have to do that. That's not their calling. That's not, he repeats it, that's not their calling to do that. That's to be one in an age. You say, oh oh my goodness. Well, that ought to relieve every one of us. None of us has to try to be like Brother Branham. No preacher, no evangelist, no teacher, none of us. We just be what God made us. And that's all 
we have to answer for. And the church said, Amen. I may love him with all your heart. God bless you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we know it's an amazing thing how people are. It was the curiosity of Eve in the Garden of Eden about her position that began to pull her into questions and pull her into a sphere that she did not belong in. Had she stayed in her place, mind her own business, as we'd say, we certainly wouldn't be where we are today. But, Lord, it's that curiosity, and it still works on people today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus you would help each of us. There's ministers standing here tonight, Lord. There's deacons and trustees and lay folks and all kinds of people that will stream this. I pray that you'd help each of us to be able to find what you want us to be. And Lord, if it's a housewife, if it's a farmer, if it's a factory worker, a painter, an electrician, a musician, a cook, a chef, whatever it is, Lord, a nurse, a doctor, we just be what you gifted us to be. We do it faithfully and we'll answer to you at that day. All we know, Satan will always try to make us compare ourselves. But we'll look at it in a week or so that Paul said, they that compare themselves by themselves or among themselves are not wise. So he said, we compare according to the rod that God has measured us by. So Paul believed there was an allotment even to preachers. They were given boundaries. They were given a call. They were given gifts. And they themselves were to work in the confines of what you had given them. Lord, may each of us tonight realize that. Lord, some people feel so bad because they see others shouting and they don't shout. And they think, God must not love me. I must not have got anything. Lord, well, they may not shout tonight. Maybe Sunday will be their time. And it may be a week. It may be a month. But, Lord, we always want to be like the next person. Ephraim grows corn. We think we ought to grow corn. Reuben grows cane. We think we ought to grow cane. Oh, Lord, help us just to be what you've called us to be. Lord God, we love you today. We're asking, Father, that you'd forgive us of our wasted years of our wasted moments and weeks. Lord God, that we floundered around our time thinking and wishing we were this and that and the other. Lord, and may we just find what you want us to be and be that faithfully with all of our hearts. Lord, help us. We love you tonight, Father. And may like to be remembered that way before the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you may not be a preacher that'll go out and preach great conventions. Some of you may not be a preacher that'll preach full time and maybe be gone 25, 30 weekends a year. You may not preach about a half a dozen dozen times a year. But if that was my gift, I'd rather preach that and be faithful than to try to make myself something that I'm not. And if God's calls you to preach 30 weeks out of the year, You better not sit down, buddy, and try to preach five because you'll get in trouble, Jonah. It's so hard for us 
to just find what God has made us to be and somehow be satisfied. I know it may sound crazy to you, but a lot of the folks who God's attributed to them a small portion, they want to be greater. And most of the ones that I know personally that God has laid on them a great load and a great responsibility and a great burden, they would to God it wasn't theirs. They want to be less. It's amazing how we are, isn't it? We either want to be less than what God made us to be or more than what God made us to be. Is there anybody that just wants to be what God made us to be? Brother Don, do you fight that? Yep, I'm that other guy. I'm that other guy. I wish nobody knew my name. I wish people around the world didn't know me. If it's left up to me, you think I'd still be here? No. I'd be down in Monticello, Kentucky, where I started that little old church back in 1982. That's still where I'd be. I was down there, I was as happy as I could be. Nobody hardly knew me. I come to the message, went to Brother Charlie Cox to church, then Brother started meeting me, and from there, the trouble started. <laughs> I was so happy. Oh, my goodness, we just went to church, and we thought, my goodness, glory to God, I thought we was at the end. I thought we was probably the last ones to come to the message. Now you are, you're so ignorant. I just thought we was the last ones. I went to the bank and borrowed a bunch of money, went to Jeffersonville and bought up as much tapes as I could afford. I started listening to them day and night, day and night, day and night, laying in the message. And then somebody heard me preach. And then somebody else. And then somebody else. And you know the rest of the story. And you think I want that? I told God just the other day, I said, why don't you leave me alone? Why don't you just leave me alone? Just leave me in Kentucky and leave me alone. You say, Brother Tony, would you say that? Yes! I'm being totally honest. Why? I don't want this pressure. I don't want to be hated and despised. Lord have mercy, all you go through for it. I don't want to be that. And other poor old nuts, I mean poor old good brothers that they want to be this and they say, are you out of your mind? I'll tell you one thing, a man that wants to be a pastor, either he's called or he's out of his mind. A man that wants to be a preacher, he's either out of his mind or genuinely called. Ain't that the truth, Brother Jack? Oh, children, let God help us. Let God help us that we can get in our sight. Remember Joel prophesied about this army? He said they would not break their ranks. There won't be one person going in the rapture who will break divine ranks and make the rapture. Because the prophecy does not allow breaking of ranks. If they're supposed to be here, they better be here. If they're supposed to be there, they better be there. If they're supposed to be there, they better be there. That's part of them knowing who God is and knowing who they are. Praise the Lord. Harry, get us out of this mess. Sing something that'll lift them up. Don't you love him with all your hearts? We've got a couple that's going to be baptized tonight. My goodness, I'll tell you what, I don't have many who've been baptized since we've been here. Ain't it been wonderful? Absolutely wonderful what the Lord is doing. Let's just worship him a little bit together now. Just meditate on these things. You young brothers, young sisters, all of us, what's God wants you to do? What's God called you to do? You may not know right now. Maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe two. But what am I supposed to do until that time? Read your Bible. 
pray, come to church, see a piece of paper out in the parking lot, pick it up. Well, well, you say, my goodness. Let me tell you one thing. I try preachers when they said they're called to preach. And if they're too big to preach at a youth service, they ain't taking a Sunday morning service from me. They're too big for the britches already. If you can't start on the bottom, you'll break your neck trying to climb the ladder at the top. Well, come on now. If a man's called to preach, he'll preach to one if he has to. Ain't that right? Because you know that God has a call for you and you're willing to start at the bottom and work your way up. That's the way God does it. Praise the Lord. Sing, hey, sing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's worship him together now. More love. Yes, Lord. More power. Sing and worship him. More of you in my in my life. More love. More power. More of you in my life. Jesus, I need more love. More power. More of you in my life. I will worship you with all of my heart. I will worship you with all of my mind. I will worship you with all of my strength. You are mine, Lord. More love, more power, more of you in my life. I need
worship you with all of my mind. I will worship you with all of my strength. You are my commission that was given by these men that we've talked about tonight. This is part of what they taught us to do. We're so glad that our faith has been restored. Many of you were never baptized in titles. I was. You don't know what it means whenever that light flashes across your path and you see it the right way. Let's just pray over our sister. Heavenly Father, our sister comes tonight, Lord. She wants to be rebaptized, baptized years ago. Lord, she felt the need Dear God, to be rebaptized again. We count it an honor to be able to baptize your people, Father. Lord God, I pray that you would be with her and you would help her, Lord. Give her strength, give her what she needs, Father, for her journey, I pray. Thank you, Lord God. My sister, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So have you been baptized before? No. You've not been baptized. All right. Lord Jesus, as our sister comes tonight, Father, she's never been baptized before. Dear God, she wants to take on your name in baptism. I pray, Father, that you just meet her right here tonight at this pool where she's going to go down and take on the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I can baptize her in water, but only you can baptize her in the Holy Ghost. May every fiber of her being be filled with the presence of God. May she be ready, Lord, when that great trumpet sounds to be able to go up with your people, I pray. Grant it, Father. Thank you, Lord. I'll just wet this and put it over your nose and your mouth, okay? All right? So it don't go down your mouth. Okay. All right. Sister, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. tonight. Amen. Certainly appreciate the baptisms. Amen that we've had. Certainly appreciate the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Amen. Let's just sing this for a moment before you go. Oh, I have stood for the gospel when it seemed I stood alone through the heartaches and frustrations the focus on the throne so many times I have recalled the Savior's words so true. If you won't be ashamed of me, I won't be of you. And so I'll proudly stand.
stand until I see the face of the one who gave everything for me when the reason that I'm standing stands in front of me and every battle that I fall will fade from memory that I'm standing stands in front of me Oh, the road has not been easy and at times I've lost my way so often I have stumbled searching for the light of day Circumstances all around me I thought I'd surely fall When the whispering of doubt and fear Told me you would lose it all But he kept me With his amazing grace And someday soon I'll have the chance To thank him
as we go there's power in the name of Jesus power in the name of Jesus amen go from building tonight believing amen come back Sunday morning service at 11 oh there is power in the name of Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus oh there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain 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 oh there is power in the name of Jesus Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's a mighty God among us. There's a mighty God among us. There's an army rising up, Jesus rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Oh, to break every chain, break every chain.
every chain, break every chain, break every chain. He'll break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There 